The following program, The Kitchen Table Progressives, is sponsored by The Kitchen Table Progressives and to the extent applicable, their guests. The views and opinions expressed therein do not necessarily reflect those of News Web Radio Company or its management. Welcome to Kitchen Table Progressive. Paul Richardson here, inviting you to join us for an hour of casual conversation on law, civics, and politics, driving the current issues, where the menu is progressive, and the table menus are unapologetically liberal. I'm sorry, my my my, my sheet here is all messed up. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, on the program this week, uh, Trump. Once again, found liberal for defamation of E. Jean Carroll. The jury awards $83.3 million. That's on top of the $5 million that another jury awarded uh, for uh, uh, both defamation uh, and sexual assault. Civil civil, uh, award liable for defamation and and sexual assault. Rape is what the judge said. Rape. the Texas defies the SCOTUS ruling uh, on the border and in, in whose power it is to uh, border security is under the power of the federal government, not the states. Uh, this ruling was a f- interesting ruling. It was uh, under what we call the shadow docket, the shadow ruling, which means the court did not publish the rationale for the ruling, nor who the justices were that that sided which way they did because it was a five to four ruling. This is a, this is unbelievable that a, a, a no brainer constitutional question, easy to read, uh, was a split decision five four. Uh, and then Trump calls for red states to send National Guard troops to Texas because there's a standoff between the Texas National Guard and the Department of Homeland Security, which is silly because uh, President Biden, with a stroke of a pen, could federalize those troops in Texas and say, you work for me now. And then he could also federalize all National Guard troops and tell the others, you stand down. You are not going anywhere. Okay? So you sit tight. Um, uh, This also, I think, violates Trump's terms of release uh, in all of his criminal cases, frankly. And I do think that these uh, attorneys who are, are prosecuting these cases should all file motions in court to have his uh, his release uh, revoked and he should spend time in jail until he goes to trial. They can do that if even one person if they believe that one person is threatened. Um, the Biden economy rocks. Absolutely rocks. The fourth quarter numbers are in and we talk about, we will talk about that. I mean, that's big stuff. The Biden economy has just been un- Freaking believable this week. I mean, uh, just uh, this. Sorry, this year. What was supposed to be? Remember, twenty twenty three. Oh, there was going to be a recession. All the economists agree it's going to be a recession. Oh, Biden just can't get over that. No, I'm sorry, but depending on which numbers you believe, or at least my research, I've you know the fourth quarter just came in at three point three percent growth. The third quarter at five point two percent growth. The second quarter at two point four percent growth. So actually, the third quarter was more than twice as much as the second quarter. Now, the first quarter is the one I haven't questioned because 
I looked it up and it said it was 1.1% in the first quarter. If that's true, then even with that 1.1, 1.1 plus 2.4 plus 5.2 plus 3.3 adds up to 12. You divide by 4. So the annual growth, the, the annual growth was average 3%. Now, I just did hear a report that said that the um, this was the sixth consecutive quarter of 2% growth or better, which means that would include the first quarter of this year, in which case that elevates the annual growth in 2023 to 3.25%, uh, which is a number over one whole year. Donald Trump's economy saw one stinking quarter of 3.1% growth. One. That was in second quarter of 2019. And after that, it was 1.9%. And then fourth quarter of 2019, it was 2.1%, just barely. And then COVID hit, and the whole economy contracted by about what they said, 31%. So Trump's economy lost millions of jobs, which the Biden economy has totally replaced. And inflation is down below 3%. It's actually closer to 2%. So we can talk about that. I know uh, there are people listening to the game, and, and that's a big deal, because the Detroit Lions, for the first time since 1991, are in the NFC Championship game. And I remember watching that, and the 1991 game, with Barry Sanders. I, I, just I loved Barry Sanders. He was just so much fun to watch. So much fun to watch him run out of trouble, mostly. And that was the problem, is that they, they lost that game to the, to the Washington team. And I will not say what their former name was. The Washington team beat them. Uh, and the Lions, Barry Sanders didn't get, didn't get his Super Bowl ring. I, I'm confident had the Lions won that game, they could have prevailed in the Super Bowl. But, um, at, you know, it looks good. The Lions have already scored on their first drive with a seven-point uh, a touchdown, seven points uh, on a, a end-around reverse. <laughs> Brilliant play. <laughs> yeah, it looked good. So we'll we'll have to see. Um, anyway, uh, we will take your calls if you have. I know it won't be. <laughs> I'll be done by the by. Uh, what will it be? Inter- uh, sorry, not intermission. Halftime. <laughs> halftime. They don't go. But anyway, um, with that in mind, uh, let me talk a little bit about Detroit because I wanted to pick up a little bit on what Eric. Detroit. Um, Blank. And, and um, Richard were talking, and Michelle, because they were talking about, the, the, here's, here's the funny story. They're talking about Michelle, you know, want, maybe, you know, go back to Kansas City to get some barbecue sauce and, you know, say, you know, maybe they could FedEx it to her. Well, in 2006, this is, this is pretty funny, because uh, Eric was saying that he had gone downtown to dinner, and I mean, I was born and raised in Detroit. My dad loved, loved, loved Detroit. My dad was a, you know, a, a, a jazz trombonist who played, played all over Detroit for many, many decades, seven decades. He was professional um, for 70 years. And he'd been playing, the, he'd played the trombone for 85 years before he died. He died at the age of 93. Uh, he, you know, he played trombone since he was in the fourth grade. So um, it's a funny story. Uh, and my dad actually has a, a funny story about uh, one time he and his and grandpa, my, my my grandpa, he and he and his dad went out fishing, and they didn't have a fishing license. And a, a Department of Fisheries 
uh, officer pulled up in a boat and said, uh, may I see your license, sir? To, to, to my grandpa. My dad was only about eight and, and, uh, and my grandpa said, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't have a license. And of course they had a, a bucket full of, you know, little bluegills and fish they caught for fish fry. And he said, well, I'm sorry, sir. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to give you a ticket. And, uh, he gave my grandpa a ticket for, oh, about $25, which was, you know, <laughs> that was quite a fair amount for that day, for that time. And me and my dad was 18 years old, 1936 or something like that. And my dad started to cry. And uh, the, the, the officer said, what's wrong with him? Why, why is he crying? And, and my dad said, oh, because that means I'm not going to get my trombone. <laughs> so the uh, officer tore up the ticket and uh, said, okay, this is the warning. Get your trombone, but don't fish without a license anymore. So that's a great story. But in 19, uh, 2006, sorry, um, when the Seattle Seahawks went to their first Super Bowl, uh, we were having a Super Bowl party at my house, and remember the the Super Bowl. Well, maybe you don't all remember, but in 2006, the Super Bowl between the Seahawks and the Steelers was held in Detroit uh, at at Ford Field, uh, where they where the Lions play. And I was telling everybody about, hey, if we were there, we'd be eating Coney Island dogs, you know, chili dogs. At the, at the Lafayette, Coney Island, on Lafayette Street in Detroit. My dad took me there so many times after baseball games and stuff. And this is, uh, these are hot, you know, chili dogs with, with that Greek chili. And, you know, you just eat it with a fork. You don't, you don't really pick these things up. You eat it with a fork. And the chili's kind of spicy. At least it you know, was for us. I mean, I, when I, we were younger, it was really spicy food. And who I was almost afraid of. As a matter of fact, when we went down, down there, I've, I only had a hamburger, and the kind of hamburger you got there was you had like ground beef that was chopped up, that was just in a, in a hamburger bun, and then I just kind of put mustard on it. That was my because I thought the, the the hot dog chili was too hot for me. But I told everybody, you know, after I got, grew up a little bit and started, these are just oh, they're just you could eat these things like they're great, and you have it along with a you know a, a Coke or a, or a Stroh's beer. That's what you normally you know Detroit Stroh's beer made in Detroit. So I said, we would be eating there. You know, that's what we'd be doing. And then I said, hey, you know what? And I said, they have the kind of hot dogs. You know the kind of hot dogs that have that the skin on them that snaps and they're really firm? They're not mushy like, you know, store-bought hot dogs. You have to get Hempler's or, um, oh, God, what are those Jewish hot dogs? Uh, you got to get good hot dogs. So we knew where to get those. Boar's Head. Oh, Boar's Head are really good hot dogs. And I said, but we got to get the chili. So I called the Lafayette Coney Island on Lafayette Street from Seattle. And I said, hey, we want, we want some chili. Send us a gallon of chili. And the guy said, no, no, we can't, we can't send. No, to Wesley, no, no, we can't send. No, 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 he can send chili. Because, you know, this is the kind of place. One, up, hey, hot dog, Pepsi, no Coke. <laughs> That's the way this. If you order two, uh, if you order two, you know, Coney Island, just say, ah, oh, one, up, there's a two dog. It's like these guys just call it out, and it's there in, a, it's there in like 40 seconds. But this guy's going, no, no, we can't send it. We can't send it. I said, no, no, listen, I'm telling you, just give me a gallon of chili. FedEx it to me overnight, and I'll, I'll give you, you know, I'll, I'll pay you, I'll pay you 40 bucks for it. And he said, no, 40 bucks. I said, 50. I gave you $50 for it. He said, no, no, we, we can't do that. I said, I'll give you $100, $100 for a gallon. Just send it FedEx. Put it in dry ice or whatever. And 
He said, no, 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 I'm sorry, man. We can't do it. He thought it was just crazy. I said, no, oh, really? I'll pay $100 for it. Anyway, we didn't get it. But one of my friends figured out how to make the recipe. And honest to goodness, it was right. We got it right. And that was great. But, you know, we talk about what's happened to Detroit over the years since I grew up. Well, there was the, the riot in 1967. And people still blame that for for the way the kitchen dish condition of Detroit, but I think that's kind of a lame excuse. It's been fifty-seven years, but I was it was funny. Um, people still they still talk about the, the the good old days, the heyday of Detroit, like it's in the past. Like, this is what they do all the time. As a matter of fact, my mom uh, showed me a, an article. It was telling me about an article. In, in the Detroit Free Press that was talking about, oh, the 37th anniversary of the closing of J.L. Hudson Department Store. And she goes, oh, don't you remember when I used to take you there to see Santa? We all loved Hudson's. We just all loved it. And I said, yeah. And I said, Mom, do you, do you know the real reason that Hudson's went out of business? Because it was like this eight-story department store. And, you know, it was the old-style department store. You got them there in Chicago. And I said, you know the real reason why... They went out of business, and she said, no, what? I said, no customers. <laughs> That's why. No customers because everybody moved to the suburbs, and nobody wanted to go downtown anymore because that's where the blacks were. It was racism. I said, I've never, I can't understand. Uh, celebrating the 37th year that somebody went out of business is unheard of. What? <laughs> I mean, you know, I was telling her about, there was a, um, a store in, in Seattle called Frederick and Nelson. And when it went out of business in about 1994 or 95. And I remember everyone was so, Oh, it's such a shame that they went out. It's, it was such a wonderful place. And there was a cartoon, uh, you know, uh, in the, in the Seattle times, it said a bunch of women standing outside of Frederick and Nelson and it said closed. And they were all saying, Oh, that's just terrible. What a shame. And they're all holding Nordstrom bags, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, the same reason they don't shop there anymore. And so, What's happened to Detroit, which you don't really know, is Detroit is this giant place. It's just this giant unchecked sprawl with this kind of rotted out core. And so they think that the way you regenerate Detroit is to make more sports stadia. Well, that's, that's what, no, you've got to have better reasons to go down there than just to go see a sporting event or a concert. Because... Every generation, it's interesting, since I grew up, every generation since me, which is getting by what, quite a few, three generations, seems to make a concentric circle that goes out about another 20 miles. So, whereas it used to be between Detroit and the capital, Lansing, about, you know, 60 miles of Greenbelt, or at least that, maybe 70 miles of Greenbelt, where it was farmland, it's all filled in now. And actually, it's all, the green belt is only probably really about 20 miles. It's, it's about 20 miles of farmlands now. Because everybody keeps moving out, trying to get away from it all, trying to get away from all the blacks. Anyway, we'll take your calls at 773-763-9278, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the political issues and the game right when we come back.
And we're back. Good Sunday evening to you here on AM820 WCPT. This is Paul Richardson on Kitchen Table Progressive. And, and so we were talking about Detroit in the first segment and uh, my experience growing up there. I could, I could really go on and on and on about it. But uh, we want to get back to some of the, uh, the political issues of the day and, um, and talk about, uh, well, I was talking about how President Biden's economy absolutely rocks and we have on the line my good friend jim from chicago uh has some reasons to support jim you got now uh devin said you have 10 10 reasons to support biden right well sean Payne was on the the uh the uh leader at uh, union he was on the Show. He went through 10 points. They said, would you uh, ever uh, back uh, Trump? Say, are you crazy? He went through 10 uh, elaborate points where uh, Trump did everything to ruin unions all of his life. But what I'm curious about, Paul, is when, 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 when uh, Trump gets absolutely killed in this election, you think he'll take his election deniers to that property that Jim Jones had down in the... I'm ranking my brain. Where did Jim Jones poison all those people? Wasn't it Guyana? Guyana, that was it. I wonder if he's getting property. All the election deniers in him... Was that, am I right? Am I right? Wait, wait, hold on, Jim. Isn't that right? Am I right? It's, it's, yeah, you're right. You're right. It is Guyana. Guyana, yeah. yeah. I just came right out of my brain. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, good for you. Because that was, I was racking my brain, too. But I can see them all down there, all the election deniers. <laughs> and uh, they can go down there and have a ceremony. It's like, I don't know if if we can, maybe we can't pick them up in Guyana. Maybe we can set up a camp down there. Well, <laughs> you know what? I honestly, I, I, I wonder if maybe his his MAGA supporters aren't even that stupid. I, they'll probably say, okay, Je- or okay, uh, Donald, we'll drink the Kool-Aid after you. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you drink it first and then we will. Paul, Paul, just imagine, he's got, uh, he's got what, 150 people doing nice stretches in prison. You've got, yeah. you've got Giuliani being sued out of his skull, $150 million. You've got the pillow guy selling stuff out of his truck of his car because he, he lost his mind. I mean, how many people has he destroyed? Well, and that you're, you're right. And not only that, Jim, I, I like something you said before. I don't know if it was on my program or somebody else's or, or maybe both, but... Um, like you were saying, where does Trump pick up voters? I mean, he's got he's got a seven voter, seven million voter deficit um, that, that he has to catch up to Biden. Even if there's a lower turnout, okay, take it away from all of them. And it's a lower turnout. He's still got to catch up. And I have to believe this: that after this week in court, where Donald Trump insulted the jury. Well, he was uh, clapping his hands together and saying, oh, this is such a witch hunt, and say, oh, this really is a con job. You know what? Uh, that's insulting to the jury. That is that was that misbehavior in court is insulting to the jury. So I, I just, I said, uh, and then to, to storm out during closing arguments is also insulting the jury, defaming the jury. So I was thinking, how could they possibly find in his favor when he's actually proving exactly what he's being accused of? And what what I think about this is that 
he may have won 53% of the white women vote in 2016. He didn't win that in 2020, and I can't see how any women... Listen, Jim, we've all heard and we all know women. Uh, women have been through abusers like him. Every woman has. I don't care what her political leanings are. She has been through a guy. She has experience with a guy like that. And he is just proving every time he defames E. Jean Carroll, he's proving that what she says is right. He raped her. No, right? You're absolutely right. There isn't. I don't think there's a woman on the planet that hasn't been assaulted. I mean, hasn't been approached by some masher who's out of line. And this guy's. I mean, he's out of line where he should be in prison. I mean, if anybody jumped into, into a uh, stall of a department store, think of it, Paul, and try to molest somebody, they'd be doing a stretch in prison. How he even got away yeah. with that is beyond me. Well, he, that, that she yeah, didn't. Beyond me. Yeah, that she didn't. That she didn't press the case as a criminal case because uh, they, the state of New York uh, passed some kind of law that allowed people to bring civil cases back again after the statute of limitations. But uh, if it was it ended um, after the statute of limitations that ended as a criminal case, they could still uh, press it as a civil case. And she did. And she did it. And now he's defamed her even since the ruling was the this latest verdict's been handed down. And she, I think personally she should. She's got the money. It's boom again. It's good for the, it's good for the lawyer. The lawyer should say, "Well, let's do it again." You know, until we lose. It's. I just don't see how he. Yeah, yeah go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. Yeah, I heard no, Way Base really yes. put out a huge figure in that fraud case in New York. It was in the area of three hundred eighty million. Right. Okay. So that's you add that to this eighty-three. Uh, call it ninety million. Three hundred eighty. So uh, four hundred seventy million. And here's the other thing about this: uh, these civil cases. Whether he has the money or he doesn't, if you are found liable in a civil case, I, I learned this in college. Uh, when my girlfriend uh, lost a civil case uh, over, uh, you know, who was supposed to pay rent between her and her roommate, you know. Uh, the roommate moved out, and uh, this. Uh, so they were arguing about who owes the landlord. And anyway, I, my girlfriend fought it in court, and she lost. And then later, when she got another apartment, we went to J.C. Penney to uh, get you know shower curtain and shower you know shower mat and all stuff. And they said, um, "Would you like to open a J.C. Penney charge account?" And she said, "She said, yeah, all you have to do is fill out this." And and she said, "Sure, okay." And she filled out the form, and they said, oh, I'm sorry, we cannot offer it to you. And she said, why? She said, because you were found in, uh, liable in a civil case. We're, we're talking about for $300, right? So he, he's being, being found, and that, that's on your record. That's, on, that's a credit debt. That is on your credit record. If you're found liable, I don't know if Donald Trump deals sure, with credit. You're, sure, you're not going to you're, you're not going to shake that up. But here's no. another thing, Paul. If he he can borrow it from his son-in-law, got two billion, unexplained two billion from the Saudis, yeah, exactly. so he can make him whole with a half a billion and still have a little bit of money left over. But here's the here's the here's the here's the rub. If he is elected president of the United States, he would sell the paintings off. Think of it to make himself whole. I mean, he'll deal with the Chinese, the Iran, any. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't think that Donald Trump will be elected by uh, a vote of oh, the I people. Don't either, I don't. Uh, but the, 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 of course, the the concern is how will he be installed as he actually was the first time? Is the you know the the electoral process, or they can always go with the Twelfth Amendment? You know, where, where Congress 
and we have 26 states where the uh, Republicans uh, dominate in Congress. Or sorry, yeah, yeah, the House of Representatives, uh, and that each state only gets one vote. It, they, it's not. It's not a matter of Republicans versus Democrats. It's just each state. Uh, you have essentially 50 votes, uh, and if. If, for instance, Illinois would be a Democratic vote because it's it's more predominantly Democrat, and and so would Washington State. But other states like Florida or wherever it's heavily Republican, there's 26 of those who would get Republican votes. So it, it would be like 26 to 24 uh, voting for Trump uh, by the 12th Amendment process. And this is what people are worried about: is that they're going to throw the whole thing in, try to throw it up in the air. You know, like uh, just, just get it. Just basically, it's kind of like when you. Um, when you're a little kid and you loot, you're playing a board game. This is what I do. If I knew you're I was going to lose, over. you're playing Monopoly. You're yeah. playing Monopoly. You toss the yeah, board, yeah. board over. When you right, when somebody right. lands that <laughs> boardwalk. When somebody lands yeah. that, you throw it over the table. Yeah, yeah I, I did that. Yeah, but, yeah. But, yeah. yeah I, I've seen it done many times. I love the game. But uh, one more quickie. Uh, what was I just thinking to get? Oh yeah, I I swear to this. I'll go to the grave believing this. I believe that the Russian interference in Comey. That combination put Trump in office. And that's the misinformation from Russia. We know that Iran's going to be working the work in the internet. The Russians are going to be working the internet. The Chinese, I'm sure, will work the internet. Because they'd rather have chaos in America, of course. It's, it's to their, uh, I mean, to their, uh, they think it's to their, you know, uh, to the good for them. And that's what I'm afraid of. I'm just afraid of the people not being able to recognize. Uh, we've got enough misinformation from the Republican radio stations. You listen to them occasionally. And Fox News, oh, yeah. who was sued for a sued for billion dollars, by the way. Sued for a billion dollars. I mean, this Trump has cost people more doting you can, I can't even imagine. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Right, right wing talk radio, right wing talk radio, like Fox News, is all propaganda. As a matter of fact, I can't get on any conservative talk radio anymore. They won't. They'll just say hi, Paul. They'll say hi, Paul. Uh, is there something you wanted to pass along? It's like they will not. They will, or if they do, let me on. They will give me exactly ten seconds, like a half of a breath of air, to say something. And then I thank you for your call. And then they'll just see what. And a lot of times they will actually block record over it. And uh, if they don't like what I said, they'll dump it and just record over it. Well, anyway, most of this. They have two Catholic, they have two Catholic stations in Chicago. I'm kicked off of both of them. I finally waited four years to get on the other one. Here's why I get kicked off. The, 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 the guy on the radio said, they're Marxists. They're Marxists. So I called him. I said, which Marxists are you talking about? Harpo Marx or Sempo Marx? Or which Marx are you talking about? And they kicked me off the station. They, and they kicked me off the station. And the other one was, they kept. I said, how can you keep pushing this Trump? What is with this Trump? What, he is a nightmare. He's a thief. He's a thief and an election denier. This is a Catholic station? Chicago. Yeah, I'm kidding, yeah, the Catholic station. I, I, remember, I always remind him, I remember, I'm an Irish Catholic who's voted Democrat all my life. My family were in unions right. since I was a little boy. Every union yeah. you can imagine, from electricians to bricklayers and uh, cops and firemen and everything else. And they're all union. And that's, right. we're all going to vote for our, our paycheck. Right. Check yeah. the end, Paul. You know what I mean? Anyway, yeah, thanks a exactly. million, buddy. I, I'm pulling for Detroit. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I am too. And you know, it's like the last time they won a championship was, I think, was the year before. Ninety-nine. 
Yeah. No, well, the, the, yeah, they, no, the last time they won the NFL championship was uh, was the year before I was born. I think it was 1958. 58. 58. I was eight. I was eight years old. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The well, Bears are just as, the Bears are just as bad. 63 and 85. It takes about every 50 years for these teams to get started. Anyway, oh, Paul, you take care. Have a good week. Thank you. Thanks so. Thanks so much, Jim. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, you know. I, I don't know how it's, you know, going back to Jim's point, how does Trump, how does this happen? How is it even possible that nobody, I, I think about, remember the campaign of, well, maybe you do or you don't. In 1984, uh, Democratic candidate, um, oh, now his name slips my mind, the, the girl, the woman's name, uh, oh, crap. I just had a, a brain slip. Um uh, Democratic uh, Hart, Gary Hart, uh, was photographed, just a photograph, this isn't a film or anything, because with a woman by the name of Donna Rice, a woman, not his wife, who was cozying up to him on a, on a boat, a large boat. She turned out to be a plant who was there to do that. And that was discovered, um, you know, not shortly afterwards, who she was. But she was a very attractive and, and beautiful and, and was just, you know, cozying up to him, making and, and this was just didn't turn out to be anything. But his campaign was sunk just like a battleship. I mean, he was on a boat and his campaign was sunk because of he might the just this the this the look or the, the uh of of him being with an attractive woman, not his wife, on a boat where where there were lots of people who it's just that she was kind of snuggling up to him and somebody got the picture and that was what they were trying to do. Donald Trump twice found liable for defamation the first time for rape and now an $83.3 million judgment against him. He's still alive as a candidate. Really? Please tell me what, what happened to the morality of America the morality is is the morality went with us liberals, us gun grabbing liberals. That's where the morality went. That's where it sunk. Really? Oh come on! I mean, the party of Ronald Reagan. The well, the morality. Well, we have to be very moral people, and they have ways of just, just twisting everything. Would Ronald Reagan even be accepted? If I mean, no. I mean, he's kind of like Mitt Romney, but Mitt Romney and his phony outrage, and well, he's appalled, just appalled. It's just unbelievable that I have to think that the this judgment it was only Friday, and so we will see what the effects of it are, and we also will see because it will be next not not next week but after next week and next week next Sunday is the fourth, so I think it starts the the week after the fourth the week of the fourth the uh, Supreme Court will take up. The, uh, the the question of whether Donald Trump, the state of Colorado, is within its powers to exclude Donald Trump from the uh, from the ballot, and uh, I was going to talk about this uh, ruling about the Texas case with uh, the um, National Guard troops defending the border from the Department of Homeland Security getting in there. That was a five to four a five to four decision uh, a shadow ruling. 
which means the court does not want anyone to know who, uh, which way, which way various justices voted. And there's no ruling. There's no, um, th- th- there's no written rationale that you can, and these shadow rulings are becoming more and more prevalent. As a matter of fact, I'll just tell you something here about the court, because in the next segment, I'll talk a little bit more about this Texas case. But let me give you this this quote. And John Roberts said, when he was a clerk for uh, uh, then Associate Justice William Rehnquist, who became the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, he said this, quote, the generally accepted notion that the court can only hear about 150 cases per term gives the same sense of assurance as when the court adjourns in July and the Constitution is safe for the summer. End quote. And what this, this is what John Roberts said in 1983. Uh, that First of all, he thinks that the court hears 150 cases a year and when they're not hearing cases in the summer, that's when the Constitution is safe. <laughs> the court should not be hearing cases. But do you know how many cases the court hears now? Uh, uh, what is it, 40 years later, 41 years, about 40 years later? The court hears about half as many cases. They only hear about 80 cases a year now. And here's the thing. About 20 of them, about 25%, not, not quite 20, 20 out of 80, but close to maybe 17 or 18 out of 80 are on this shadow ruling, this shadow docket that where they don't publish the, the rationale. Uh, so they, the fight what the finding is, how is the constitutional terms upon which the court makes the ruling. That's called the finding. The rationale is called the dicta, the explanation. And of course, then you have the majority and the minority and who stands with each and their, uh, ascents and descents um, on the cases. We a quarter of the cases now are being heard on the shadow docket. That is really astonishing. And we will be right back and taking your calls as well. Seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. Paul Richardson here with you on a Sunday evening. Kitchen Table Progressive here on AM 820, WCPT Chicago's Progressive Talk. And uh, let's get right back to the phones because we have one of my favorite guys. It's, is it Roosevelt? It's Roosevelt, right? Thank you for taking Roosevelt. my call, Paul. Oh, you bet. Hey, Roosevelt, hey, how's it going? What's up, man? Yeah. How you doing? Hey, listen. One more thing about Barry Sanders. Yeah. I distinctly remember him retiring before breaking uh, Walter Payton's record. He had so much respect for Walter Payton that he retired. That's why he's behind Walter as far as the all-time leaders in the yards. Yeah. Not only was he a great great running back, but he was a great person. Yes. (laughs) But, um, yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. And I remember well, I think, very, similar to Walter, very similar to Walter. He, he took on uh, tacklers. Uh, he didn't take away 
Oh, oh yeah, Walter used to. Yeah, Walter used to say that uh, he accelerates into the defensive man, and uh, yep. I think that exactly. I think that Bar- I think that Barry retired the same year that Walter passed away, didn't he? I think you're right. I, 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 I think don't it was. I think it was in. I think it was in '99. Yeah, I think I think Walter passed away in '99, and Barry retired in '99. Yeah. I remember the press conferences because uh, a big guy uh, in on radio, Mike North. I, I met Mike. I've been with Mike. Uh, Mike, I don't know if you remember the Monsters of the Mid- Midway, but Mike North and uh, oh, I can't remember the other guy. He used to play for the Bears. Uh, they were called the Monsters on uh, on the radio on six seventy the score. I used to listen yeah. to them religiously. Um, back to back to Trump, Paul. Um, Here's my take on, on, on the election. How is he going to attract the independent? First of all. Second, I always think logically, I could be wrong, but how is he going to win when he couldn't win without, remember, when he ran, he didn't have the insurrection, he didn't have both uh, impeachment and all the other charges and all the other things. So, with with all these people that are against him within his own party, quote party, it's not a party, it's a cult, as far as I'm concerned. You know, like all these guys, uh, the Lincoln Project, and all, oh, he's got so much things against him. Not to mention his state of mind and his diet and his overweight. So, yeah, so all these things, he cannot, to me, he's not going to be the candidate. I keep on saying he's not going to be the candidate. It's too many things that could go wrong. I mean, too many well, things. Yeah, and they, then, they, yeah. Yeah, and, and if you could correct me, Paul, I'm not sure about this. The Capitol Police, aren't they, didn't a judge say that they could, uh, that he could be liable, that they could sue him in a civil court, which is what happened last Friday? Or for, yeah. you know, like the, yeah, so, so all this is going to yes. come up between yes. now and <laughs> 10 months. Can you imagine the number of cases that he's going to have in front of him? How is he going to be at four places at the same time? So, uh, yes, you're, you're, you're right, because... He can su- he can sue uh, for civil liability, um, like the families of the officers that were killed uh, for wrongful death, just like they sued O.J. Simpson after O.J. Simpson beat the the criminal rap the, for murder. The the families of uh, Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman sued him for thirty three million dollars for wrongful death, and they won. Uh, you only have to prove by a preponderance of the evidence. That's fifty one percent. Uh, that he probably was responsible for those injuries or deaths, yeah. And, and remember that cop, the parents of the cop, there's a famous video where they would uh, shake the, uh, what's his name, uh, the, the leader of the Senate, I can't think of his name, um, McConnell. It's McConnell. Yeah. Remember where they, they wouldn't shake his hand when the parents of the officer that died? I yes. believe he had a heart attack or he had something. Oh, yes. So back to that again. I mean, he's got so many things that could go wrong that, that they could, you know, not to mention that, like I said before, I don't know how this guy sleeps. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, you know, what condition? I, I will, I will bet you. Yeah, Roosevelt, I'll bet you that a lot of his waking and sleeping is uh, drug induced. Uh, now, he probably maybe he gets 
prescriptions from his doctor. He's kind of like the Michael Jackson syndrome, you know. He's got he can't he can't go to sleep and he can't wake up, so he gets a, he has a bunch of drugs because he acts like he's on drugs all the time. Uh, so, I mean, he really does act, and you can tell when he's real manicky, like he's probably on some kind of uh, stimulants, like uh, Ritalin or or um, what's that other stuff that they uh, uh, I can't remember what he snorts up. They said allegedly he snorts. Um, oh, I can't remember it, uh, but it's a he snorts that up. It's it's also a a pill that you can take for uh, yeah, uh, attention deficit disorder, Ritalin. There's a stimulants, and then and then see you can also tell when he's he can't take it anymore because it it's uh, it, he seems like he's on those benzodiazepines like uh, Ativan or, or or Valium or something like that that really just because you can only take so much of that stuff and you know wake he doesn't get any sleep. Unless he's on drugs. So I, and not only that, remember Adam Kinzinger said that he smells bad? Yeah. I mean, it's, be, yeah. it's because of his diet. I mean, if you just didn't eat nothing but McDonald's, I bet you he smells like rancid meat or rotting garbage. He smells like rotting McDonald's. I mean, that permeates your skin. If you don't eat healthy, yeah, you're going to smell bad. Yeah. If you don't eat healthy, you will, you'll smell bad. Yeah. Paul, in closing, whenever I think of think of Trump, I think of two movies: The Cooler, with Alec Baldwin and William Macy. I don't know if you're familiar with that movie. No, not really. Catch but... me if you can. Catch me if you can with uh, Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio, because he pretends to know everything about everything. Yeah. Just like Catch uh, Me If You Can and The Cooler. I. I, I it's about William Macy being like bad luck. Everything he projects comes back to him. The karma is unbelievable when it comes down to this guy because he's bad luck. He everything he touches, even uh, even Thomas Pizzito touches, turns into yeah. you know what. Everybody. Well, touches. not only not only that. I mean, I have a because he's tweeting at all hours of the night. Um, you know, I had a, uh, an elderly uncle actually who was not a blood relative. He was actually the a friend of my grandmother's, you know, kind of a gentleman friend of my grandmother's. Uh, we used to call him Uncle Sam. His name was Sam. We called him Uncle Sam. But he was a guy like this. He never actually went to bed. He sat in his chair. Uh, he smoked heavily. So he would he would sit in his chair most of the time during the day and watch golf. And then he would he would never went to bed. He just he slept in his chair, in his clothes. And this kind of reminds me of what Donald Trump does. He's up all night. He doesn't ever really go to bed. Because he can't really lay down, because he has, probably has problems laying down, and so he has to have drugs to get along. And I, I think this is going to take a call, because think about it. Just think about the normal stresses that you and I have in our lives that just drive us crazy. Can you imagine having all of these uh, lawsuits on you? you? You couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. That's precisely you know. my point, Paul. I mean, my point, but, I mean but, uh, your team has got 21 to 7 now. Detroit. Detroit. Woohoo! Wow, well that's uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, that's hard to do with San Francisco at home. So, so. yes, it is. And I, well, they will be. Okay, of yours, man. Big fan. Thank, thanks, Roosevelt. I really appreciate it, and, and thanks, thanks for calling. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks. Um, well, that will be. Uh, very interesting to see if the Detroit Lions 
can win this game and advance to the Super Bowl for the first time ever. Oh, I, you know, I, I was such a diehard Lions fan. I have to say this, is that um, when I moved to Seattle, I was still a Lions fan for 15 years after I moved to Seattle. Um, but at some point, you know, when the Seattle Seahawks went to the Super Bowl, I went, okay, you know, I, I live here and, and this is my team now. And so in a way, it kind of compromised how excited I am because it's like, well, I just got to the point where it's like, these are teams, they're football teams, they're uniforms. I mean, you cheer for the uniform, but uh, all of my life, uh, I was just, since I was little, you know, since I was, I could name all the guys on the team when I was three years old, you know, all the starting players. And of course, and I, I played a little bit of football myself. And uh, those were the, the, the years that the Lions were, well, they had great players. They, they just have had so many great players along the way. It's just astonishing that they couldn't pull it off with, I mean, it's just, the, the list is just so long uh, of, of great, great players that they've had. Uh, in 1980, Super Bowl 16 actually was also uh, in Detroit at the, the Pontiac Silverdome. They had moved to, to, to Pontiac, and the Lions were in the hunt for it, and it was a game against, was it against the Cowboys? Probably was. It's always that. But um, Freddie Scott, a normally reliable receiver for the Lions. I mean, he, Freddie Scott could catch anything. Freddie Scott dropped a pass that was right in his hands in the end zone. I mean, it was right to him. Uh, he He dropped it, and that was the Lions' last chance, and they they had to give up the ball. And, and the, I, I think it was the Cowboys. It might have been the Viking. I don't know. I can't remember who it was. I just remember seeing the play, and the, he had his hands up. It was right in front of his face. He had his hands perfectly up. The ball hit his hands, and he dropped it, just like so uncharacteristically, because he had his technique was perfect, but he dropped the ball. And... Of course, then we had those were the year that, that was the year, the first year of Billy Sims, the the rocket from Oklahoma. Billy Sims would just rocket around the end and pew gone. Of course, then we had oh we had great tight ends like uh, Charlie Sanders, we had Barry Sanders, we had great defensive backs like Lem Barney, great running backs like Mel Farr, Steve Owens, a uh, Heisman Trophy winner, was in there for a while. Nick Eddy from Notre Dame was in there for a while. Uh, a quarterback like Greg Landry and um, Bill Munson and uh, Gary Danielson. And I remember in the 80s, I think it was 82, uh, Eric Hipple, hip hip for Hipple. He was a third string quarterback who came in and just started. Oh, it was a Monday night game against the Bears that Hipple came in and threw like uh, how many touch, like seven touchdown passes against the Bears and just became this phenomena, but wasn't to be. Uh, it's just been so, and then of course in recent years, there's been Matthew Stafford and Calvin, you know, Megatron, Calvin Johnson, so many great players. This team, other than Jared Goff, who was with the Rams for several years, I guess I don't really know this team very well. I don't, I don't know the names very well. You know, I don't, I, I haven't seen enough games to follow the team. They, they seem like a solid team. 
uh, in a lot of places. And maybe that's the best way to go and not always worry about, you know, having a superstar. A superstar doesn't necessarily get you there. I guess probably because it costs so much money to have the superstars, then, you know, you don't have enough because of the salary caps. You don't have enough money to, you know, get get other players that are, are good players too. Uh, so, but I think Jared Goff is a good quarterback. And he obviously, at halftime, sounds like they're leading 21-7 to over the San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco. So, well, let's wish the Detroit Lions luck uh, and see if maybe they can make their bid for the first Super Bowl berth in their history. We'll hope so. Well, join us again next Sunday night and every Sunday night at 6 p.m. immediately following the family meeting for Kitchen Table Progressive. I'm your host, Paul Richardson. We'll hope to see you next time here on AM820 WCPT, Chicago's Progressive Talk, where facts matter. HeartlandSignal.com.